Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm going to read you the menu. It's fantastic. So we get better flavour because of the fen soil. I've drunk more beer since I came here and bought my two barrels than I've ever done in my life before, I think. I shouldn't have said almonds. They don't make it from almonds. <laughs> so you've got this big sticky mess when you start off. Pizza pot pints. My wife's cakes are selling up hot cakes. Brilliant, thank you. The time is right for this sort of thing. Food is everything. Cambridge is right for this sort of thing. What's it like? Delicious. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Flavour with an hour of food and drink. I'm Matt Bentman in week, well, goodness knows what of lockdown, and here are Alan Holder and Sue Bailey with a roundup of what's on the programme today. We'll be finding out what's on offer from our local producers for this year's Valentine's Day. Roberto from Cambridge's Market will be explaining how Brexit is affecting his business and how he manages to run a successful deli opposite a Marks & Spencer food store. For struggling amateur bakers whose intentions are good but outcomes are wanting, there's a new Cambridge company about to launch and it might be just what you need. For people who've been getting celeriac in their veggie boxes and are wondering what on earth to do with it this week, we have advice from local chefs. And for wine drinkers, we'll be finding out why the southeast of England is becoming a good place for vintners. In and amongst all that, we'll be bringing you a lot of local food and drink news. But first, food banks. Food hubs, food initiatives, charities, churches. There's so many locations to donate food to those who are struggling around the city in these really harsh times. But it's not easy for everybody to donate. Say if you're, you're working and you're homeschooling and probably a dozen other things, and finding the time is hard. It just is. So a local lady came up with a nice idea this week, and she put that idea into action. Hi everyone, my name is Taya Goodluck. I have kicked off a food drop collection for the Cambridge City Food Bank. This is a brand new thing. What I personally found was that it actually wasn't that straightforward to kind of find a drop-off point. But the challenge is a lot of us are doing online shopping now and there isn't a way through online shopping to be able to donate to your local food bank. And I'd spoken to a few other people locally that felt very much the same. They wanted to give, but it just wasn't as straightforward, particularly with being in lockdown as we'd want. So I thought, actually, if I can just make it easy on the street, pop it into a box and we'll just take it down there in one run... That was really the driving force behind it. It's just making it really easy for people to give. I grew up in Cambridge, but I'm very fortunate and thankfully have never experienced not having food on the table. But I think when any of us sit down and think what that must be like, particularly having a young child, I kind of watch the news in despair, but actually it's about doing something. And if we can all do something, I think, in our own little way... And obviously with the school meals as well, that's been real headlines. And I think a lot of those people are now resorting to the food bank. So I think for me, it was just actually taking time to sit and think, gosh, there are people that are really struggling that also haven't even had to use a food bank before. You know, they're unemployed because of COVID and the pandemic. Let's just all do our bit to help. And this is not a difficult thing to do, you know, and it felt good to do something more practical rather than just wallowing in despair at the world we live in. So what did she do? 
wrote a short letter as to what I wanted to do and why, clearly outlining the day, the time, the address. I popped it through everyone's door on this street, put the box out the front. We had what equated to a full boot full of donations that will then run down to the food bank this morning. So really not complex, but it's just I think about making that first step of putting the leaflet through the door and putting the box out. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but Taylor was worried about speaking to me before the first collection took place, in case no donations appeared. After that first step, as she said, she was really pleased with the reception. On the first go, too. And this will be a weekly collection. You know, let's see what momentum's like, because I think often these things kick off with gusto and then perhaps people don't remember, but I'll, I'll keep reminding people and we'll see how it goes. She also put in her letter what items are needed. So the items that the food bank really needs is cans of food, pasta sauce, vegetables, meat in cans. I think my understanding is that they already have a lot of what we typically think the food bank needs, which is pasta, rice, and also things like nappies, sanitary products, you know, really the essentials, cleaning materials. Remy, just be quiet for two minutes, okay? And then we're going to go for a run around. So also things like tea, coffee. It changes weekly, which I think is brilliant that they're updating it. And to just focus on those items rather than what we might think is needed. So if anyone is interested in finding out more, then check out the Food Bank's website, which is cambridgecity.foodbank.org.uk. As I said, they do update really frequently their list of needed items, which I think is super important. And they have all of their collection points, times, etc. on there, so worth a look. So that's Taya. She had an idea, she put it into action, and already it's making a difference. All that remains is to say... You're listening to Flavour on Cambridge 105 Radio. The thing I really liked about Taya is, I went to the Food Bank website, I clicked on the volunteer section, and it said, oh, we're currently full, we're up to our eyes in volunteers. And I thought, oh, okay. Whereas Taya's response was, well, okay, that's fine, but I'm still going to find a way to help. I'll make my own way. Now that is a cool attitude. She said that comes from her mum. Once again, the Food Bank website address is cambridgecity.foodbank.org.uk. On to our first news items for today, beginning with food vans and where to find them. And just a reminder that you'll almost always need to order online and book a time to collect. Very few do a walk-up service now. Also, they do sell out, so I wouldn't hang about. But do keep listening to Flavour while you're ordering. Steak and Honour is at MJP at the Shepherds in Fenditton tonight, Saturday from 5 until 8. Now Now is at Thriplow Village Hall tonight with a bunny chow from 5 until 8pm. Wandering Yak is at Hobson Square in Trumpington tonight from 5.30 until 8. And tomorrow, Sunday, at Hobson Square from 12 till 2 is Cheese on Toast. Buffalo Joe's is at Thirsty in Chesterton Road tonight. Dot's Hot Chicken is available until 9 tonight. Collect from Steak and Honour in Wheeler Street or arrange a delivery from Click It Local. Uh, I enjoyed mine last week and had a nice chat with Jack of Gelato fame who was working in there when I dropped by to collect it and very good it was too. On to Cambridge Market now. One of my favourite stalls is Roberto's Deli opposite Marks and Spencer. 
It takes a lot of confidence to set up a deli on a market stall opposite a Marks and Spencer's food store, and that confidence is born of the fact that Roberto buys from small producers, mainly in Italy, which he chooses because of the high quality of their produce and because they supply small production items which big stores don't stock. I spoke with him during the week. He's there every day except Friday. Uh, And I'm always concerned that stalls, as precious as his are, are vulnerable to big economic shifts. So first, I asked him how Brexit was affecting his business. Roberto, is is Brexit making any difference to the supply, the price of the sort of products you sell? Yes, it's making a lot of difference. Um, uh, Not in a good way, but in a bad way. It's delaying the, the... uh, the shipment and to destinations, prices are going up not 30 or 40 percent, like most people say, but at least 10 15 percent. And the extra paperwork is absolutely unbelievable now, they're making it difficult and difficult, not impossible, but very difficult. Yes, yeah, having a negative impact, you know, so therefore, they slow down and delays of the shipments and delivery. Yeah, absolutely. So what does that mean for produce like, say, soft cheeses, which has a limited life? Uh, we have to rectify them and modify in the way we see things now, such as placing an order with our dairy farms. If we, once upon a time we needed only two weeks to place an order with our dairy farms, and now it might take four weeks. Okay, that's what my dairy farm requires uh, in order to match to the delivery schedule uh, because this huge amount of extra paperwork is involved from uh, this month. Yeah. Okay. But if it gets held up in, in transit, is there, is there a risk that it will spoil, that it will be...? No, 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 that's not the issue because every single of these products, they are uh, through to chilled uh, temperature control vehicles. That is not a problem as such. Uh, but it's a problem for us uh, because the sooner we get the goods on our store, the sooner we sell them. And uh, if they are coming very late, and the later we sell them. So obviously it's having a financial impact, yeah. Yes. So what are you going to do? Will you have, you'll have to put your prices up. Uh, n- well, for this moment in time, when a lot of people that might have lost their jobs, we're very aware. We're we are not willing to do that. We, we, we are prepared to absorb the loss until we can. If it comes to one point where we are stretching more than actually we can, then of course we, we will. But for the moment, I would say that uh, price literally are not going up. We are absorbing the loss ourselves. Yeah. Right, OK. Now, just in case there's people listening who haven't heard you before, could you just give us a quick outline of the sort of things you sell? Uh, well, um, we are specialists in uh, in the mature cheeses and the uniqueness cheeses um, from all over the world. Um, England, of course, uh, such a Lincolnshire orchard. Uh, we have a lovely Montgomery from Cheddar, two and a half years mature, which is the king of the Cheddar, the British Cheddar. Um, Stilton, of course, in our Shropshire Blue, which is produced by the Stilton Company in Nottingham. Um, all the way to Italy, you know, Venetian cheeses um, with speciality, um, the drunken cheese, which is an infusion with red wine, and all the way to back to France, uh, Comte, uh, Roquefort, uh, you know, and all the way to other uh, cheeses, lovely Rabijon, Gruyers, you know. Uh, it, we tended to have a lovely international uh, mixture of selection of cheeses, simply because of Cambridge, 
is a multi-society in our town and we have uh, all different sorts of football well we used to have <laughs> not <laughs> yes. for the time being but uh, yeah so that's why we had to adapt it um, uh, to that um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, also we. I, I produce my own pesto, lovely oh. fresh basil pesto, yeah. um, twice in a week, make as fresh as possible, um, and there's some other pestles and Sicilian olives, you know, stuff. Like, it just we got to as a deli. I got to provide you know a bit of a you know selections, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, the word deli will not stand out. <laughs> And you sell a lot of meats as well. Yeah, cure meat, mainly parma ham. We do a very high um, quality parma ham, cured from 16 to 18 months cured, which is uh, less salted, less fatty, and a little bit more sweet on your palate. And all the way to speck, obviously, uh, which is uh, cure meat and a little bit sperm smoked, and the mozzarella with pistachio. And not without, which makes you know a lot different. Uh, and then we have a lovely other um, salamis, you know, infusion with pistachio, truffle, um, wild boar from Tuscany, guanciale, pancetta. Yes, beautiful selection. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've, I've had the wild boar actually. I really like it. Yeah, and lots of pasta as well. Pasta, Molisana pasta, one of the pastificio well known in Molise, middle of Italy. Uh, they use the only ingredients, Italian ingredients, from the flour to the water. You know, they don't use any other ingredients from any other country. And they keep them special because they control the quality. And they are much smaller than a Barilla or the Ceco. And so, and they, for that reason, they are able to control their own quality. They stand out from any other Max factories, you know, they produce on a large scale. These people, Molisana is the, one of the smallest pastificio in Italy and they're very well known for their reputations and for the quality. Yeah. When you cook them, you can see the textures, you know, and the other pasta, when you boil them, it got mushy. Yeah. And on Molisana, it's the opposite. You boil them 10 minutes and you still maintain the texture, al dente almost, you know, yeah. Right. And you, you choose, obviously, the best to buy. Of course. Uh, being opposite eye on Max Spencer, okay, I got to do or provide something which they don't do. Yeah. Or even something better quality, if I may say so, okay? Um, but the uniqueness of the products, the small dairy farms and the, the producers of uh, cure meat, uh, which they're not able to produce to a big chain, such as Max Spencer or Sainsbury and so on. So they produce only ourselves, but they can only produce so much per year. And uh, that makes it special because, they, again, they can control the quality, but they are not willing to compromise on quality for the sake of the quantity. Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks very much, okay. Roberto. Thanks. And Roberto is on the market every day except Friday and he also delivers in the Cambridge area from Monday to Thursdays. Uh, and it's one of those stalls where every time you look, there are things you've not noticed before and you really want to try them. Uh, I recommend it strongly. Uh, there's another excellent stall, uh, always there on Sundays and on various days during the week. And this one sells produce from a single farm in Italy. It's Il Molino and Saida Sotuda, who owns the business, was telling me that his imported produce is now attracting hefty VAT bills. 
uh, as a result of Brexit and he's thinking about whether or not he can absorb the extra cost. And, by the way, the discussion of the City Council's plans for the market has now been deferred because of a legal challenge relating to the Council not making a report available as a background document. The meeting to discuss the proposed changes will now take place on the 25th of March. Let's have the first of our local chefs with ideas for celeriac, that knobbly vegetable that you may be finding in your veg box. Here's Alex Rushmer. Celeriac, my fondness for gnarly, ugly root vegetables. I mean, it's not going to win any beauty contests, but it has just the most incredible flavour. It's it's sort of slightly ethereally, almost aniseedy, but very, very subtle. So good for people that don't like fennel. But it's fantastic. At the restaurant, actually, we used to roast it whole. We used to sort of spoon brown butter all over the top. So put it in a pan add some brown butter to the pan and spend about 15-20 minutes just spooning the brown butter over the, over the celeriac and then cover it and put it in a low oven, 120-130 degrees for probably about three or four hours. It takes a while to cook through. But what you end up with is this amazing nut brown, delicious, savoury exterior and then the flesh inside almost steams. Uh, and if you want to finish it in a pan, again, with a little bit more butter, but as an accompaniment to game, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And it's a dish that I first had at the Hand and Flowers, actually, Tom Carriage's pub over in, in Marlow. I had a, a roast chicken that had been flavoured with hops and hay and then this amazing celeriac about the size of a cricket ball, but perfectly, perfectly round, perfectly spherical. And as an accompaniment to the chicken with the roasted chicken juices in there and those lovely autumnal flavours of hops and hay and barley and malt. And it was just a fantastic combination. But again, very, very simple. But with ingredients like that, you don't need to do an awful lot to it. It's about celebrating the simplicity of the, the ingredient, which is, which is what I try and achieve through my cooking. Here's where we bring you details of free food available now in and around Cambridge. The information about what's available and where to get it comes from the Olio app, which is free to download. Some examples of what's been recently available locally on the Olio app includes a bag of vanilla and raspberry marshmallows, red and pink food colourings, various pastries from Tesco, a jar of jalapeno ham, a jar of chilli powder, and Marks and Spencer's Christmas cake. And another free app called Too Good To Go has unsold food from restaurants and shops often at less than half price. Rather than specifying each leftover item, the surplus food is simply packaged as a magic bag, ready for you to take home instead of being binned at the end of the day's trading. Recent magic bags have been available from Cambridge Oven, Meadows, Eclipse Bakery and Tradizioni at the station. More news now. And with Valentine's Day coming up, there's plenty to choose from, though Gourmandise's Valentine patisserie box with a desert macaron, passion fruit opera gato and a tante amandine filled with caramelised apple has sold out already. You can buy her tarts every week from Bermosh Larder, though. However, Biscotti di Debra has a box that features tiramisu pots, strawberry and cream meringues, chocolate mousse, choux crackerline, vanilla chantilly choux crackerline, Raspberry tarts and red hearts made of vanilla and raspberry panna cotta. This is £25 and you can collect it from Dry Drayton or phone to discuss delivery in the Cambridge area. 
Wendy at Café Abantu is baking a homemade red velvet cake. Order via social media or email wendy at cafe-abantu.co.uk. They cost £20 and are for pickup from the café in Hobson Street. Lewis Beckett, who is Mark Poynton's pastry chef at Alimentum and now does chocolates for Mark's at-home meals, has bonbons for Valentine's, salted caramel, amarina cherry, passion fruit and olive oil and tiramisu. Find him on social media. Harry Spector has 12 different boxes of Valentine chocolates available online. They range from the Signature Collection at £65 to the Fine Nine Collection at £14. Oyster Lab is now selling an oyster box, not specifically for Valentines, but very suitable for it. Sue spoke with Henry to find out more. I have created a Oyster Lab at home box. So it's got 12 oysters in there. It's got like a load of Oyster Lab dressings in there. Some kind of classic stuff like pickled shallots, tobacco, lemon. Are you going to do a special promotion for your Oyster Lab at home for Valentine's Day, do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, what I'm planning to do is, I mean, the box itself is perfect for Valentine's Day because it's perfect for two people. Um, in terms of an activity to do something, you know, you're shucking oysters together and then you've got all the different dressings to use. So it is, it is pretty ideal for Valentine's Day, to be honest. Are you actually providing the shucking tool? And- yeah, we're providing everything. So literally... You don't need anything else. So in there you've got, um, you'll have a shucker, you'll have a cloth, all the oysters, um, and then all of our dressings, and then all, like I said, we have some classic dressings on there, a couple of jars of pickles, got like a few flavoured salts, so uh, we're not in there to have a good time with. Oh, that sounds really rather fun. How does one go about ordering this? So at the moment it's all through Instagram, so we're constantly posting and advertising on Instagram. So people contact me via Instagram, a very, very simple ordering process. We literally um, just kind of take all these details and book you in, book you in for what weekend you would like it. Obviously, if that was Valentine's weekend, we'll be extra delivering on Valentine's weekend because I believe it's more than a Friday this year. So we'll be delivering on the Friday as well. If somebody is not on Instagram, though, how would they get hold of you? So, at the moment, we're looking to kind of advertise our Facebook page a bit more. Another way is to email me directly, which is um, henry at theoysterland.co.uk. Um, we can sort out. I love the idea of ordering an oyster box and then having a go at shucking because I have shucked oysters before and it's 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 a bit of a skill, but it's really rather fun to do. It is a lot of fun. You've never done it a bit, a bit anxious about doing these things, but it is a really simple process. I've actually got a tutorial, an oyster kind of oyster shucking tutorial on my Instagram page as well. You can see the process on there. It is, as I say, really, really simple and really good fun. How far do you deliver? So we're just delivering Cambridgeshire at the moment. We are doing villages just outside of Cambridgeshire. The best to contact us because if we have got something close to where someone might be ordering to, we'll happily go that extra mile. And elsewhere, the Finn boys are preparing a Valentine's meal for you with many courses. It's £70 for two people. Mark Poynton has a heat and eat Valentine meal for two. For £75, it consists of six courses, delivery is within a three-mile radius of Hills Road. You must order at least 48 hours in advance, and full details are on Instagram. Just look for MJP Restaurant, all one word. Fitzbillies is doing Valentine's boxes, details are on their website, and Limoncello has a Valentine's hamper. There are three options, and you can find details on the Click It Local website. Ria Falvo makes handmade chocolates in Newnham as Bumble and Oak, and has been doing so for the last four or five years. They're ideal for Valentine's Day. Delivery is by Click It Local, 
or she'll get on her own bike and bring them round to you. I spoke with her earlier in the week. Valentine's Day is the next big thing, if you like, on the calendar. And I think it's a time when perhaps people are feeling they may treat themselves as well as the person they love. It's been an overwhelming response to chocolate. I don't think the one group perspective that probably isn't suffering too, too much at this time is probably chocolate. I know there's been actually a much higher demand for chocolate rates before Christmas as well. And everyone I've collaborated with, they kind of adhere more towards the healthier side of chocolate, but not necessarily, but they, they like to experiment with vegan chocolates and ingredients and fresh ingredients and really exploring the entire culinary experience. So what are the unusual chocolates that you're making for this Valentine's Day? Because I know you do very, well, just, just really lovely, interesting flavour pairings. One difficulty of lockdown has been I often got my inspiration from travelling and exploring um, the local culinary traditions. This year, obviously, I can't do that, so I'm delving a bit into my own past and my own past truffles and recipes and, and doing a lot of research as well. The first item I'm coming out with, I've got three kind of exciting things that I'm doing for Valentine's Day. And I always do a Chef's Choice chocolate box selection. So this year I'm doing a Chef's Choice chocolate box with a mixture of love hearts, with probably the one of the best herbs I find with chocolate is a yellow maca root, which is from Peru. And one of my original recipes will be making its way peppered in among the chocolate love hearts. It was kind of marketed at the time as an aphrodisiac chocolate. Ooh, that sounds fun. And what does it taste like? It, it tastes good as well. It's cinnamon, kind of almost chai spices. And maca root, yellow maca root from Peru tastes, to me, like roast marshmallow. One of my favorite herbs, actually, in chocolate. And usually warming herbs like cinnamon as well, but cardamom. Green cardamom is really extra special in chocolate. You've got the love hearts, the yellow maca root, and what's the third flavor? Well, there'll be probably five. I seem to do things in five. I haven't worked out everything that's going to be in the in the love hearts. A selection of caramels and then the aphrodisiac chocolate. And I do have a, one recipe that's been completed, the white forest cherry truffle. And then I've got a, a hot drop. So it's 90 grams of chocolate with a, an almost equal ratio to coconut milk. Really um, like an Italian ganache hot chocolate, usually mostly vegan. So I'm doing a collection of the five of those, a mini collection. So five single servings of hot chocolate served. And then probably the thing I'm most excited about is for the first time, I, I usually do collaborations. And most often that's been with Anissa, Vanessa and Chocolate, whom I just adore. This year for Valentine's Day, we had a great idea of doing a chocolate collective box with uh, five local chocolatiers offering their Valentine's edition chocolate bars. So I'll have a box of five craft-made chocolatier chocolate bars, and they'll each be offering their own chocolate bonbon boxes separately, but we came together to offer our bars in one complete box collection, which will be launching for February for Valentine's. So I'm very, very excited about that, and I've asked them to include a little chocolate love story or a quote that will go into a Valentine's Day card, and then a tasting sheet, so everyone can try each of our bars and little tasting sheets as well. That sounds really lovely, and I love the idea of uh, chocolatiers getting together locally and, and collaborating. That's really interesting. I did not realise that there was a sort of female chocolate collective around, which is, is very good to hear that. 
if people would like to buy either your lovely chef selection chocolate box or the chocolate collective chocolate slabs how do they find out what is going to be in the selections or how do they find how to order them They'll probably come out through Instagram and I imagine over to Click It Local, I'll probably put the boxes up on Click It Local just because they have such a good delivery service locally and I know they're expanding and growing and that's wonderful. And then probably on my Shopify account, so I do have kind of a main website. It was amazing what lockdown did to make sure that I had some sort of parking place where people could shop, but it's called Waggle Dance Nomad Cafe. Presumably one can also buy your chocolates from Meadows. Barbarella Cafe. So Gemma uh, has been um, just amazing and one of my best friends here in Cambridge. She's been carrying um, the hot chocolate drops and she also has exclusively made for her uh, Babs Bar at Barbarella Cafe in Chesterton. 39 High Street, Chesterton. And Cambridge Cookery yeah. School, you said, also a supportive. Tina's always been... An- uh, paramount as well uh, in my life here in Cambridge. So she's had interest in carrying the chef collection boxes. And if you order food for uh, from her, I think she delivers on Fridays, food for the weekend, gourmet meals. And you do have a little option there of choosing a dessert made by Cambridge Cookery School or a selection of chocolates from me. Okay, we're going to have a two-minute break now, but we will be back with more ideas for Celeriac and news of a new Cambridge company dedicated to helping people achieve success in home baking. Cambridge 105 Radio. Cambridge Breakfast with Julian Clover and Lucy Malazzo. It's the breakfast show that's all about Cambridge. We've got the news. National and local. Travel updates. From the A14 to Milton Road and all stations to Cambridge. The people and the places. Plus guests in our Friday food club. Cambridge juice. All the new things to do in the city. Our daily quiz. Oh yes, questions, questions with Lucian. And all request Jukebox Friday. And don't forget the coffee. Cambridge Breakfast with Julian Clover and Lucy Melanzo. Here with a fresh blend weekday mornings from 7. What's in your spare room? Christmas decorations? Maybe an old exercise bike? Could you give that room to a young person along with a fresh start? St Christopher's Fellowship is looking for people to become foster carers in Cambridgeshire to provide safe, caring homes for teenagers who need help. And because we've been working to improve young people's lives since 1870, you can trust that you're not on your own. You'll receive regular training, dedicated social worker support and space to share experiences with other carers. It's more than a spare room, it's a brighter future. Call 0800 234 6282 or visit stchris.org.uk slash fostering. St Christopher's, creating brighter futures. Hi, Pam here. Are you tired of the same old shops? Drop into Fantasia on Mill Road near Parker's Peace. Enter our treasure cave full of fine clothing and exotic homewares. Natural materials, uplifting ambiance, mood improvement guaranteed. Perk up your wardrobe, your home, your life. Dare to shop different. Fantasia, 64 Mill Road, Cambridge. Fantasia.uk.com. For opening times, please see fantasia.uk.com. Cambridge 105 Radio. 
Welcome back to Flavour. Coming up, we've uh, a new Cambridge company aiming to get you baking. But first, more ideas for celeriac, and this time from Rosie Sykes. Yes, so celeriac, I would say, is one of my favourite winter vegetables. Uh, it's fantastic to make a mash with. I find that if you m- want to mash it um, and it, for it to be nice and solid without having to add um, potato or something, it's really great to bake. So I don't bother to peel it. I just cut it into, qu- wash it, cut it into quarters, wrap each quarter in foil and bake it like a potato until it's really, really soft. Make sure you put some salt and olive oil in. Then the skin you can take off a nice thin layer of the skin and just put it in your food processor with some creme fraiche or some butter or olive oil depending on what you like and what I really like about celeriac mash is that it's got a lot of flavor but it's super light so it's not doesn't feel heavy with a meal it goes beautifully with game or um or pork or most meats actually and it's a lovely vegetarian option as well you could sort of sprinkle it with some nuts and perhaps put an egg into it and bake it and it's almost like a sort of un, unformed souffle which would be a nice nice thing for a vegetarian and the other thing I love doing with celeriac is making a gratin which is which is very simple really it sounds a bit more scary than it is but it's lovely with mushrooms so maybe saute off some mushrooms peel a celeriac slice it um, toss it in some milk and cream uh, with salt and some aromats and layer up the celeriac and the sautéed mushrooms um, pour over the cream cover it and bake it in the oven and you'll get a lovely result for about an hour yeah probably about an hour mm. just until a knife goes in uh, about you know sort of mid temperature 180 something mm. like that many thanks to rosie sykes Lockdown is having a bad effect on many of us, both adults and children. There's often a creeping lassitude, leaving you unmotivated and, well, really rather depressed. And by the time you recognise it, shaking it off can be a challenge. Uh, One way to avoid it is to keep doing new things, baking, for example. But not everyone has success with baking, and that makes you feel even worse. A new company, the Cambridge Baking Company, is about to launch just in time for Valentine's Day, and its aim is to make baking easy. So even if you've been less than delighted by your previous efforts, you can achieve success. Uh, I spoke with founder Naelia Shaw. So we are starting on the 7th of Feb, um, so we'll be open just before Valentine's Day, um, and we're going to be selling baking kits that come in glass reusable bottles. You'll get a one-litre reusable glass milk bottle, and that comes with kind of all of your ingredients to make things like cookies, brownies, it'll have things like flour, the cocoa powder, all of those things that people often buy and then have in their cupboards and then end up throwing away. Um, so you've got a kind of kit there. Um, all you have to do is add an egg, some butter, combine it all together and stick it in the oven. So each bottle will come with ingredients and also kind of instructions. And yeah, it's just a way to get people baking really and doing things in the lockdown and going forward. Um, and get people doing something. That sounds like a really good idea. So how, how how did you think of it? So I'm a postgraduate student full-time, um, and my dad, bless him, he tries, um, and he tries to bake, he'll try to make things, but somehow it always just ends kind of in disaster. Um, so I thought with making these kits, then you kind of got the ingredients there, you can't go wrong, they're really, really foolproof, um, and you can bake something at home. Um, so 
kind of in the countryside up north and my first job was on a milk ground. Um, so the milk bottle idea came kind of from that. And I think there's a lot of people out there who sell amazing bakes and cookies and brownies that you can get delivered. Um, but these come with kind of the promise of that experience of making something and doing something with a family or doing something to pass the time. Um, and then at the end, you've got a really great smelling kitchen and also some really tasty things. Right, that's, that's that's fantastic. How how do we get hold of of these then? Um, so we're on social media. So we're on predominantly kind of Facebook and Instagram, uh, and we've got a website. So it's just www.cambridgebakingcompany.co.uk. So it's going to be delivery. Um, so I'm trying to work with Click It Local at the moment so that we can do something across Cambridge. Because something I really would like to do is keep it quite local. Um, so for example, we're using organic flour that comes from Foster's Mill and Pryor's flour um, and I'd really like to do something where we can do kind of eco-friendly delivery across Cambridge but it's also going to be across the UK um, and just postal delivery so I'll probably be posting things a couple of days a week um, and then you can choose your postage and things at checkout and um, so yeah it should be all across the UK so we're going to have traditional chocolate chip cookies and then there'll also be some triple chocolate cookies um, and then we've also got triple chocolate fudge brownies and then we're going to have limited editions that change kind of throughout the year. So the limited edition that we'll be launching with, we're going to have chocolate orange cookies, and so they're going to be made with Cadbury's chocolate buttons that are orange flavoured. We're going to have Terry's chocolate orange cookies, um, and also a mini egg cookie bar. So you cut that like a brownie, and you cut it into pieces. And then we're just going to see how it goes, um, and try and get new ranges, maybe change things up to the summer and then obviously up to Halloween and Christmas, that kind of thing, and do seasonal ranges. Right, and, and when you go back to being a full-time student, are you, are you going to be able to carry on with it? Yeah, I do it alongside my studies and everything. No problem. <laughs> right, very good. OK. <laughs> <laughs> what an inspired idea. That was Nalia Shaw from the Cambridge Baking Company. Some more news now with two more ideas for those of us who are desperate to do something different in this seemingly endless lockdown. Uh, First, though, a few weeks ago, I noticed that Tim Hayward had stopped posting on Twitter and Instagram, uh, and I emailed him to find out why, and he replied saying that he'd been very ill with COVID and needed a break from it, really ill, to the extent of being in a coma for 10 days in the intensive care unit of Addenbrooke's and being left unable to walk without a stick possibly permanently. Last weekend, he wrote about it in the pages of the Financial Times magazine. Uh, Flavour tweeted the article last Saturday, if you haven't read it. It's a powerful and distressing piece, and reading it makes you aware of just how important it is to stay locked down. And very best wishes, Tim, if you're listening, and we hope to see you about before too long. As we said before, keeping mentally strong during lockdown is challenging. So here are a couple of ideas to brighten your day. Gourmandises has online baking classes available. The next one is a pastry masterclass on the 5th of February. It runs from 10 until 2, is via Zoom and costs £39. Contact Corinne Paye via the Gourmandises website. And every Thursday at 6pm, Tristan Welch has a cook-along live on Instagram. He posts the ingredients list a few days before so you can cook along with him or just watch him do it. 
On to some collection and delivery items now. Fiona's Patisseries does a monthly box. The February one sold out in an hour. So look out for the March one round about the 20th of February on Fiona's Instagram page. And the March box will be delivered in time for Mother's Day. Cafe Ubuntu is doing an eat-at-home menu. There will be one on 6th of February. The starter stroke side will be spring onion and herb salad or stuffed courgette with pine nut salsa. The main will be lamb sinia or mustardy cauliflower cheese with green tahini sauce and rose harissa green beans. And the dessert is a choice between plum, blackberry and bay friand or vegan rhubarb and custard bake. Order via social media or email wendy at cafe-abantu.co.uk. You can get Pint Shop's meal kits daily. Just order by 1pm for same-day delivery. A quick mention for Bread on a Bike, Alison McTaggart is still breaking bread off Mill Road for you to collect. Order on the Bread on a Bike website. And Emily is offering £5 off for each friend that you introduce, and the friend gets 15% off too. Just order at amelystore.co.uk. In our last programme, I was about to have a cookies-at-home meal from Restaurant 22, uh, and I can tell you it was outstandingly good. There was lots of it. It was very high quality. It was superbly flavoured, and it was also good fun to prepare. It was the best meal I've had in a long time. And they can be ordered on Thursdays for the Friday and Saturday of the following week. Uh, The details are all on their website, but you do need to order promptly. The meal for next Friday and Saturday sold out in 20 minutes. Congratulations to Midsummer House for attaining the two Michelin stars in the Michelin Awards that were announced this week. How long before we see Restaurant 22 and some other local restaurants up there getting the awards? Tradizioni in Mill Road, that's by the sea tree if you don't know it, has a little market selling fresh produce such as veg, fruit and cheese from Italy every Tuesday. Just order by the preceding Wednesday. Signorelli in Burley Street has Italian gluten-free flour and both gluten and lactose-free flour on sale and you can order via Click It Local. Cambridge Wine Merchants has a bin-end sale on now, with some wines reduced by 20%. It runs to the end of February, and you may have seen Hal Wilson, owner of the Cambridge Wine Merchants, on ITV News on Tuesday night, talking about the effects of Brexit on the wine industry. Now, it's not good news, I'm afraid, as Roberto said earlier on Flavour, and Zoltan from Colinaris said on our last programme. There are huge delays at the border. But back now to the joys of Solariac. Here's Teen Roche of Cambridge Cookery. It's so underrated, I think. It has the most wonderful nutty flavour and it's brilliant to do half and half in a mash. So if you just want to mix it with using Mary's Piper or King Edward potatoes, so you have a really nice, lovely, dry mash. Mix it with celeriac or just roast it on its own. is absolutely delicious as a side dish to homemade burgers, any kind of meats. It's absolutely lovely. But I think maybe my favourite is to use it into puree it into the lovely creamy soup and then topping it with crispy pancetta or a few slices of chestnut on top. Or even, dare I say it, and this, this can seem a bit odd, but if you have a few strips of smoked salmon, the heat of the soup will sort of semi-cook the salmon, so it does take on a different texture. But again, it's adding something salty with a little bit of a, not exactly a bite, but, you know, something to, to chew in this velvety soup is really good. Wee 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 w
And that music means it's time for the news from Twitter. Uh, we have to record our programmes in advance now because of limited access to the Cambridge 105 radio studios as a result of the virus. So we can't bring you the latest tweets, but we can tell you that you can follow Flavour on Twitter, where we are at Flavour 105. Yep, and we're on Instagram as well, also as at Flavour 105. <laughs> Matt Hodgson had been a tax accountant for 20 years. Then, he gave it up to become an independent wine merchant specialising in English and Welsh wines. He opened a shop, Grape Britannia, here in Cambridge in early 2019, and recently he won the Decanter Award for English and Welsh Wine Specialist, beating Waitrose into second place. Now, Decanter is the world's premier wine magazine, so for a brand new little independent to beat to pound Waitrose into second place is really saying something. So, who better than Matt to tell us why it's worth trying out some English and Welsh wines? And he begins at a turning point a few summers ago. This summer the Twenty eighteen was such a gorgeous long hot summer. More than hot it's scorching, wasn't it? I mean it was. Grapes and vines absolutely thrive on that kind of heat. That's always been the, the thing really with growing vines for winemaking in the UK. We've been a very marginal climate. It's always been at the absolute limits of being able to ripen grapes properly to make good quality wine. And so 2018 was a year when nobody worried about that. They got the grapes as ripe as they ever have done in this country. And the quality of the wine just followed from that. We got grapes so ripe here that producing really world-class, high-quality still wines was possible as well. So I think that's one of the things that really has actually given a, a huge boost to the English wine industry in the past couple of years, is uh, being able to present that broader portfolio of uh, really top-quality wines. So 2018 you know, was a year when the English red wine finally came of age. If you look back over the history of the English wine industry, which begins about the 1950s, it's been a trajectory where you saw amateurs and hobbyists bringing the industry on in the first few decades. You know, I don't want to do that down. Um, they, they actually you know, reintroduced vines to the country and on the whole made some perfectly palatable wines. But ironically enough, it was actually a couple of Americans started to put English wine on the modern winemaking map. So the Mosses, who came over from the US, bought some land in the south of England. They planted vineyards that are known as Nightimber. The Moss brothers, Stuart and Sandy. In 1986, they planted some of the first Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier and Chardonnay vines in the UK, and they made their first proper wines six years later. Now those wines challenge the best in the world, maybe even those on other planets. Before then, Everything that was planted in England was uh, what we call Germanic grapes, so ones that are typically grown in, in Germany. And those grapes just didn't make the highest quality wines, not like the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay you find in France and in Champagne. So yeah, the Mosses were, were bold enough to, to give that a go. They very soon started to um, win awards, and that really started to turn heads and make people consider that actually there really was um, a future for English wine. Terroir. Soil. Terroir. Dirt. Terroir. Earth. Terroir. Microclimate. Terroir. Everything to do with place. 
it's a big debate in the wine world just how much the type of soil is important to the wine but it's a fact that champagne where you get some of the best sparkling wine in the world is predominantly a chalky soil area it's literally the same seam of chalk you find in champagne that ducks down under the English Channel and resurfaces as the South and North Downs in Sussex and across the South area into Hampshire. And actually, that same seam of chalk also then runs up from the southwest to the northeast of London and just touches on us on the edge of Cambridge. So if you've ever been on the train going out from Cambridge down to London, and as you leave Cambridge going past Addenbrooke, so you, you glance up to the left-hand side, there's what passes for a, a hill in Cambridge um, <laughs> on that, that small incline at the top there's there's a little uh, farmhouse and that's called white hill farm it's called white hill because it's actually a chalk hill so you know in my daydreams I, I sometimes wonder if i could ever plant some vines on that slope there outside cambridge and maybe maybe make the first ever cambridge sparkling wine <laughs> so most of the plantings of vines in the uk have been down in the south and there's a reason for that vines need a bit of heat so it's down to the climate and it's just the fact that it's warmer in the, the south of England, so the vines can do better there. They also do pretty well in the east of England, and the reason for that is it's drier. We've got all our prevailing winds coming in from the southwest off the Atlantic and dumping their rain on the poor guys in the west of the country. You might think that a plant to grow would you know, really do better with lots of water, but actually to produce the best quality grapes for making wine, it's actually quite good to plant your vines where there isn't too much water, it basically forces the vines to produce a smaller crop of really intense grapes. They put all their energy into a smaller number of grapes and the grapes themselves don't swell up with the water and get diluted. So you get much more intense flavours from them that come out in the resulting wine. So the south and the east, and therefore the southeast in particular, are definitely the hotspots for planting vines and producing some of the best wines in the country. I was convinced that English sparkling wine has a future because there are only, well, outside Champagne, there are only a few places in the whole world that have the potential of producing the very best sparkling wines. You need a cool climate, there are lots of criteria like the soil, and at best, all these qualities come together in the south of England. So um, climate and soil are, are very important, and it is, I think, indisputable that the warmer temperatures that we've had in the past uh, decades have contributed to the increase in quality of English wine. As I say, you've stable to get the grapes riper and to plant the type of varieties that can really produce the top quality wines. You know, that's, that's definitely part of the reason why English wine has come on so much in the past few years. Well, sir, called me a bluff old traditionalist, but I was always taught to wait for the order to attack before attacking. We're not kind of hidebound by the tradition that you find in some other parts of the world, particularly what people call the old world of wines, like in France and Italy. Mm. You know, they had centuries of rules and regulations, the, the appellation rules in France, which constrains the types of grapes you can grow in one area and the techniques for making wine, the length of time you can age it. Here in England, there's none of that, at least not yet. You know, people are still experimenting, finding out what grapes work best in what area and just playing with the types of winemaking. So, you know, even though, as I said, we've got a relatively small area of land under vine and a relatively small number of bottles of wine being produced, there's an enormous amount of variety out there. I like to say that you can get pretty much any type of wine from our own shores. So, you know, as well as all the 
English sparkling wines and there's still whites and still rosés and reds. You can get some more unusual ones. You can get some sparkling reds from England. You can get some dessert wines. You can even get a Welsh port. You can't call it port, of course, but it is effectively made in exactly the same way as, a, in this case, a late bottled vintage port. So it's had four years in barrel after fortification. And gosh, it's really ripe and rounded and rich, perfect with some cheese after dessert. Oh, very good, fair play. Very artistic. You know, I said earlier that the best spots are in England, in the south and the east and the east because it's dry. Well, you know, Wales is quite a way over west. But actually, there's, there's certain parts of Wales, particularly when they're in the rain shadow of their mountain ranges, which are actually surprisingly dry. And that's typically where you find the, the Welsh vineyards. There's um, a, a small handful of people who've taken the plunge there, planted their vines, making some really top quality wines. There's White Castle Vineyard near Abergavenny that makes these incredibly ripe and mature reds really quite special, actually, and something you might think had been grown somewhere in France or, or even Italy. What do you think you're doing, lovely boys? Standing around here drinking tea? Well, you yeah! <laughs> We have some really fantastic Welsh wines at Great Britannia, the ones from White Castle I mentioned, also from, from Anchor Hill. And that, in a way, is Anchor Hill is a really interesting one because their vineyard is both organic and biodynamic. And organic is quite hard in this country because when you're an organic vineyard, it's, it's like most organic viticulture. It means that you can't use the, the chemicals and sprays on your crop you know, that other non-organic producers can. And the thing is that grapes are quite susceptible to a number of diseases, in particular things like mildew. And so a lot of people will spray their vines quite regularly to keep the mildew at bay. So we've got Anchor Hill there in Wales, as you say, one of the wetter parts of the country, bravely going out, being organic, not spraying their vines. And yet they manage to produce absolutely fantastic wines year in, year out. White Castle is just in this amazing little cranny, you know, surrounded on three sides by these sort of sandstone hills. And it's just got its own little microclimate there. It manages to retain the warmth and, and dodge the worst of the, the torrents of rain <laughs> that fall around the area. Personally, what are you drinking right now? <laughs> At this time of the year, you know, when it is a bit dark and gloomy and colder, it's it's kind of natural to, to turn to the red wines. And as I say, England actually is producing some fantastic red wines now. So again, look south and east for the best quality. So um, I'd highlight uh, an estate called Balfour Hush Heath, who are down in Kent. And they've got a fabulous range of red wines at the moment. So um, they released a Pinot Noir called Nouveau uh, in 2020. It's a bit of a take on the good old Beaujolais Nouveau. That was a bit of a vogue a few decades ago. But um, it's actually a surprisingly complex Pinot Noir with a little bit of time in oak just to round it out. They've also got a Pinot Noir from the 2018 vintage, their suitcase Pinot Noir, that um, has had a, a lot more time in French and American oak. Really gorgeously rich and deep. It's got these incredible aromas of chocolate and coffee, a little bit of tobacco, petrichor, and, and just heaps and heaps of red and black fruit in there as well. It really is an incredible wine. So, yeah, at the moment, I'm, uh, I'm getting myself through these, these cold winter months with, uh, with those English reds. 
Many thanks to Matt Hodgson. His shop, Grape Britannia, is on Arbury Road, and his website is, of course, grapebritannia.co.uk. That is Green Onions, and that signals the start of our jobs section. Just two jobs today. Restaurant 22 in Chesterton Road is looking for a pastry chef, full-time and permanent, for four days a week. An immediate start is available for a suitable candidate. Japas, the Japanese restaurant in Brookside, is looking for a kitchen assistant stroke waiter. And that brings us to the end of today's programme. Don't forget that we are here on alternate Saturdays at 12, repeated on Sundays at 2pm, and then again on Mondays at 6pm. There's also the podcast, which will be available early in the next week. And coming up on Cambridge 105 today at 1 o'clock is the Cambridgeshire Football Show with Ollie Slack, and that will be followed at 2 o'clock by Bookmark with Lee Chambers. But that's all from us. We'll be back on the 13th of February. So until then... Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.